0: The following has been prepared solely for informational purposes, and it is not an offer or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security. The information presented today is the opinion of the firm and is not intended as investment advice and should not be used as such. Welcome to Biblically Based Wealth Management with your host, Kevin Bruce. On this show, Kevin combines academic, behavioral, and biblical financial principles to separate the wheat from the chaff in investing and retirement planning. Now, here's your host, Kevin Bruce. Most people will need to find a new financial advisor more than once in their lifetime. And like all the other important things in life, there isn't much in the way of training or education about how to do it. So you're on your own to figure it out which may be okay for some things, but when we're talking about a financial advisor, we're talking about finding someone we're going to entrust with our, our life savings, our financial future. So while it may be okay to choose your own adventure on some things, this is one of those things, it'd be good to have some good guidance. And from what I've seen out there, in the way of education, the various articles, various blogs, whatever you might find on the internet, it appears that most of them were written from someone who is more opinionated about the subject than they are experienced in the subject. So ultimately, what that leads to is the blind leading the blind. So today, I want to give you some insider information, some things that work professionally, that professional use to vet advisors so that you can have a fighting chance at making a good decision. But before we hop into those details, let's start with a little background. I think it's important for you to know where my information is coming from. Many years ago, I started a job as an investment analyst, and in that role, I had two responsibilities. The first one was to review, analyze, and make recommendations on every type of investment out there, investment managers, hedge funds, mutual funds, oil, gas, real estate deals, insurance annuities, you name it. The second responsibility was to go and find the best investment managers in various asset classes. So the firm would take this information and provide essentially two lists, one that was the approved list and one that was the recommended list. And these lists would go out to thousands of advisors nationwide for them to use potentially with their tens of thousands of clients. But when I got this job, I was not fresh out of college. I had been working professionally in the investment world for about six years as a financial advisor. I had completed the CFP coursework and I was a licensed stockbroker. The point is I thought I was pretty well versed in investments. You know, after all that, that's what I did for a living at the time. However, I, <laughs> I learned quickly that my way of determining what made a good or bad investment manager or investment was not good enough. I remember the vetting process and my first investment committee meeting. And now an investment committee at that time was comprised of C-level executives from multiple firms. It also included legal compliance, investment research, and marketing departments. And so we're talking about 15 to 20 people, all very smart with strong, strong backgrounds in various aspects of finance and investing. So what I quickly realized during that vetting process of, of one of my investment recommendations was, was that my due diligence wasn't nearly as good as I thought it was. The things that I thought were well-researched weren't, and, and there were things that I hadn't even thought of. But thankfully, it was my first committee meeting, so everyone was kind to me. But I, I knew that I never wanted that to happen again. I knew I had to develop a repeatable, objective way to make an informed decision, a decision that I could defend. And that's what gave birth to a process that I developed called the piece. It's a process that's worked well for me, individuals, um, institutions. I still use it to this day, um, and we don't have a time to cover all of that. One day at some form, I'll, I'm will i going to find a way to do it because I want people to know about it, but um, it's just a very long format. But it's my hope that we can take some of the principles, some of those ideas, at least at a higher level, and convey the concepts and the principles around them to help give you what you need to help you find your next and your favorite financial advisor. So let's get right into it. The first thing you need to know before you start your search, and it's the most important thing you can do before you ever go sit in an advisor's office or even call him on the phone, the most important thing you can do is to humbly submit yourself to God and pray. Pray that God will give you wisdom and discernment and have faith that he will. James 1, through 5-6 tells us, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he shall ask God who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubters like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind." So I mean, let's kind of have a moment of honesty, if we will. You're probably not going to go to an advisor's office, sit there and listen to whatever they have to say and be able to identify a technical fallacy in whatever they present to you. I mean, you may have some emotions about what's presented, but from a technical perspective, most people won't have the ability to identify the fallacies in the advisor's logic or their methodology that they present. I know as an analyst, I was constantly surrounded by people that were smarter than me. They had more experience than me, better education than me. Yet I was tasked with determining if what they presented was true or false or good or bad. But I was able to successfully navigate that environment because I knew I couldn't do it alone. I knew I needed God to help me. And he did. So pray and ask God for wisdom and have faith that he'll give it to you. And he will give you what you need to make the right decision. So that's number one. Now let's talk about the common fabric of financial advisors. I think too many people take this for granted. So let's kind of walk through it for a moment. And when I say the common fabric of financial advisors, I'm not talking about any one individual. I'm mean financial advisors as a whole. As a group, most financial advisors look alike. You know, certainly not physically, but they appear to offer the same thing. They talk in a similar language. If you go to the websites, all of the websites look similar. So it can be really hard to tell them apart. And for that reason, many people don't even try to differentiate them. They just go, they meet with a handful of them and they make a gut instinct call with who they want to go with. It's whoever they like best, or maybe a friend or family member recommended them, whatever it may be. But the ultimate decision was not based on an objective analysis of the facts. It was made on a subjective feeling. And I would guess that's probably where 99% of the advisor issues that clients have come from is from that initial lack of due diligence. Because if the only reason you selected your advisor was because they're easy to talk to or you like them as a person or they were recommended to you, then the fact is you really know nothing about them. And you know, if I'm gonna be completely honest, financial advisors, if they've been doing it for any length of time, will be a polished professional. They'll present well. Typically, they'll be very amiable And they will appear very knowledgeable. And those are all good things, right? We want those qualities in our advisor. But what you need to understand is that whether they're a good advisor or a bad advisor, they have probably dealt with the hundred or more clients throughout their career that had similar situations and similar concerns as yourself. So, you know, although everyone is unique and you are a unique individual, most people's financial issues and their emotions around that tend to revolve around common themes. So any advisor, whether it's a good one or a bad one, if they've been doing it long enough, they'll know what to say and they'll know how to say it. So if that's as deep as your vetting process goes, meaning how you feel about it or someone recommended them to you, then you're never going to get deep enough to sort out the good advisor from the bad advisor. You'll just find out down the road when it's too late. So now I'm going to give you a quick Cliff Notes version of what to look for in your advisor. And you want to look for three things. You want to look at their education, their experience, and their commitment. And when I say education, you could look at their college background if you'd want. Personally, I would focus more on their professional designations because I'm more interested in what task-specific knowledge they have demonstrated What specific education do they have for the task that I'd be hiring them for? And specifically, I would look for a certified financial planner, CFP, because that is the gold standard in financial planning, and or a CFA, which is a chartered financial analyst. That's the gold standard in investment management. Now, there's a lot of other designations out there, but the CFA and the CFP are widely regarded as the gold standard in investment retirement planning. So I would just stick to those and make that a non-negotiable. And the reason I put emphasis on designations is because otherwise someone who knows nothing about finance could become a licensed financial advisor in about six months or less. So we don't want people learning on the job with our life savings. That's why you want a CFA. That's why you want a CFP. You want someone that's been doing it a long time and has demonstrated a deep knowledge of what they're actually doing. Now let's touch on experience. And don't be blown away by the number if they say I've been doing it for 20 years or I've been doing it 30 years because not all experience is equal. Just because someone's been doing something for a long time doesn't mean that they do it well. And I think we could probably all think of a couple politicians that might meet a good example of that. So what we're looking for is depth of experience. Not just how long have you been doing something, but what exactly have you been doing? Because what you're trying to determine is To use an industry term, is this person an asset manager or are they an asset gatherer? An asset manager is someone who knows what they're doing. They manage the money. They make decisions. They're in charge and they, they understand the implications of what they do. An asset gatherer is someone who's just trying to do sales. They're trying to bring in more money, bring in more accounts gather more money for their firm or for themselves so yes we want long-term experience but we also want a depth of experience where they've been in different roles and have evolved over time and have a good understanding of all the different areas of finance and they're not they haven't just been sitting behind the desk selling the same thing for the last 30 years now let's touch on commitment and what i mean by that is there's different sets of rules for different types of advisors There's a suitability rule and there's a fiduciary rule. And the difference would be a fiduciary must always put the client's best interest above their own. You think that would be a given, right? And that everyone does that, but that's not the case. There's also a suitability standard, which means the advisor must do something suitable for the client, but not necessarily place the client's best interest above the advisors. Now, so I don't think I need to waste much more time expanding upon that. But clearly, we want to work with a fiduciary, someone who has our best interest ahead of their own. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, so I only got time for one more in our Cliff Notes version of how to vet a financial advisor. I would look and ask, what is their philosophy? Because what you want to understand is, what do they believe is true about the market and investing? How are they going to get a return from whatever strategy they're employing? And the reason that's important is, actually, I think there's three reasons. The first would be because there will be rough roads ahead, and you want to know what that philosophy is, and you want to be on board from the get-go. That way, when your account's down 20%, that's just not when you want to find out that whatever your advisor is employing is something you totally disagree with. Second, if you know what they're supposed to be doing, it's a lot easier to judge the performance and to understand why you're getting the returns that you're getting. And hopefully you'll understand if that's appropriate or not. And then finally, I think the hidden gem of this philosophy question is that not only do you get to hear what their philosophy is, but you get an example of how they explain or teach you something that you don't know. This can serve as a great example of what you should expect in the future when you're reliant upon their advice and explanations. So what you're looking for here is, are they trying to teach you by using understandable and relatable concepts, or are they trying to impress you with financial jargon and ivory tower definitions? We want the former, a teacher, someone who speaks our language and is more concerned with our understanding of the concept than their perceived mastery of the concept. So that's it for today. We're out of time. Have a wonderful week and may God bless America.